Today, Jacqueline and I have, as he dubs himself, the living embodiment of an attitude check, Joey Nolfi. <laughs> Joey is the drag race reporter at Entertainment Weekly and host of their Binge podcast. Binge celebrates the very best in TV and film, and if you love pop culture, we definitely recommend you check it out. Welcome to the uh, bah. welcome to <laughs> <laughs> welcome to We Earn Media, Joey. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I'm making you. Am I making you nervous? Yes. <laughs> really? What? Oh my God! I'm so sweet. I promise. well jackie and i have yet to interview someone in the entertainment industry so i think i'm also very giddy right now (laughs) oh that is such a lofty title as a worker of the entertainment industry i mean i think i'm on the periphery of the entertainment industry i am talking to those who do the entertaining so um yes lower your expectations for me (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness this is gonna be so much fun okay so Joey is going to tell us about a story that he wrote that started a long and fruitful relationship that he has with a publicist. And before we get into that, can you first tell us more about what your day-to-day looks like as a digital writer for Entertainment Weekly? Well, I think for for those of us in this world who aren't good at context clues, this job revolves around the art of um, writing digitally. Um, it, so, um, I, I mean, I've been writing at AW for almost, um, about five years now. Uh, I, I do it all pretty much beyond writing. I, as you said, I, I host the binge podcast that recaps RuPaul's Drag Race. I also have been hosting a new Instagram live series that we have called Queening Out, where we interview drag queens, kings, and everybody in between every Thursday at two Eastern on EW's Instagram. But I, I primarily cover... Um, Oscar season, movie news, uh, and like you said, primarily RuPaul's Drag Race. I, I I like to think that you know the great relationship I've built with the Drag Race PR team has led to EW being the leading outlet for exclusive and I guess you could say like expansive coverage on that show. So I'm really proud of the work that I do there. That's pretty cool. Snaps for you. Oh yeah, yes. okay. That. Let's do some snaps. That's okay. That's <laughs> Does this me. sound like a snap on the mic? I guess we'll. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I saw, I was going to say that you're responsible for all of the drag content on EW and that you're sorry, but not sorry. I saw that, I think, in like your EW bio and I loved it. I like to say it's my fault. Yes. All of the drag content on (laughs) EW.com is my fault. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So why don't we, (laughs) Um, this is such a random fun fact, but my favorite movie growing up was Tu Wong Fu. (sighs) I yeah. love that movie. It's so good. Yes. And yes. Um, I haven't thought about that movie in so long. It's on Netflix now. <gasps> oh, really? Yes. You have no excuse for not watching it. Oh, my gosh. It's oh my God, so good. Exciting. Yeah. Go watch it now. I actually just watched it for the first time last summer, I have to admit, but I fell in <gasps> love with it. <laughs> I know, right? I know. Yeah. Hey, better late than never. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. Timeless. Classique. Ooh, classique. So (laughs) why don't we uh, go ahead and jump into the story that we're going to kind of be basing the conversation around. I won't give too much of it away, but it's uh, an interview that you did with Sasha Valore, the season nine winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. So tell us more about the interview and how it came to be. So the story was pitched to me by Robbie Manalani of um, Witch House PR. It's a wonderful agency specializing in... I guess you could call them alternative artists. Uh, Robbie is (laughs) 
describes himself as the coven mom of the witch house PR and <laughs> the outfits Robbie wears are just worth of, you know, the, the cover of Vogue alone. But uh, Robbie began working with Sasha, I think shortly after she won season nine or, or maybe a year or so after. Um, and he pitched this sort of one year after winning video interview with Sasha uh, to sort of check up, check up on her on her reign and what she's done with the title and all of the cool things that she's been getting into in pop culture and activism since taking essentially, I guess, the most prestigious title in the drag world. Uh, so we were also doing at the same time, it was around the season 10 finale. So we had the final four finalists, uh, Aquaria, Eureka, Cameron, and Asia in studio around this time already. And I thought, well, let's sort of fuse these two things together and do a sort of standalone video interview with Sasha on what catching up on what she's been doing since the show, but then also find a way to incorporate her into what I was already working on. So we had her come onto the set where we were doing this video with the final four and had her surprise them. They had no idea that she was going to be there. And then we did an interview with all of them and it just, it, it was a really um, enlightening experience to sort of see them all together but then also getting to talk to them each one-on-one. -on -one. And I don't think that necessarily, I mean, I love Sasha, but I don't think it's necessarily something that I would have thought to do if Robbie hadn't brought it to my attention. That's great. So mm -hmm. so he just reached out to you via an email and suggested you interview Sasha and mm -hmm. it all kind of came to be because you were already working on this other piece, it sounds like. I'm just re-summarizing everything you just yeah. said. Yeah, okay, cool. yeah, yeah. Essentially, you must really miss those in-person interviews. I also was thinking about that while you were telling the story. <laughs> I I do. I think that I, it's definitely much easier to color your story. I guess when you have that in-person experience and you're able to look somebody in the eye and notice physical ticks or physical gestures or or what they're mm. doing and how they're interacting is different energy than picking up on somebody on Zoom, but. I guess in a certain sense, it makes it, it's less daunting, I guess, to do it over Zoom because I feel more comfortable. I'm not, you know, I don't have to get dressed up and be technically on camera with, you know, makeup on my face and <laughs> like getting all ready as I would in the studio. But uh, it is, um, it's a different dynamic for sure. But I think I feel physically probably more comfortable at home, but I do miss the in-person element of picking up on that spontaneity and being in the moment with, with, especially with drag queens. It's uh, yeah, I miss that. Yeah, I bet. Do you have any tips for people who are trying to set up a zoom? You know, I don't know what it would be called. The zoom meeting interview? with, yeah. yeah zoom interviews. Zoom meeting, go. zoom interview, zoom kiki. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I would say definitely. I mean, the thing that we have seen everywhere is make sure you have a stack of like four or five thick books Put that laptop on top of those books. Get yourself a ring light. They're like $20 on Amazon. Make sure it's facing down. The angle is down so that you look really good. Um, mm, okay. Uh, yeah. It's, I'm taking it's, notes. <laughs> yes. Def I mean, it's, it is it, – it works wonders getting a ring light and stacking your laptop on top of books so your angle is higher because nobody looks good from a downward angle. Um, and the ring light, if you position it up high enough, it definitely, it catches all the angles of your face. I'm revealing all of my vanity right now. <laughs> I can, this is bad. No, it's great. <laughs> Those I are my, it. cause I think if you look good, you're going to be 
more engaging if, if you're sitting there and also have a good background. Um, cause I made the mistake of the first time I did an Instagram live video video in quarantine, I was in a basement and the basement has like gray brick walls. Mm-hmm. And I had my friends messaging me like, are you in a prison movie? <laughs> and I was like, uh, whoops, no. So I bought some, I literally just bought some curtains and I've been cycling <laughs> oh, through them yeah. on my Instagram live series. I actually used an old carpet that I had in my apartment in New York for a backdrop. It's really easy. So if you look good, you'll be fine. Mm, I have a question. Yes. Do you know about the touch-up feature on Zoom? No. There's a touch-up feature. Don't ask me how to access it right now, but Google it. <laughs> and uh, that's that's my uh, – it makes your teeth look whiter, and oh. it kind of blurs – your face just ever so slightly. But so. then do you end up looking like those 12-year-olds on TikTok and Snapchat and stuff, though, God, where like, their not. eyes are glittery and then your oh, face no. looks like a porcelain doll? Well, test it. I can't make any promises. I don't think it's that, you know. Oh, my God. I mean, yeah, that could your, be interesting. Makes your eyes itself. huge. Yeah. Makes your eyes huge. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It makes your eyes like four times bigger. Like, yes, I'm not. I thought we said natural today. No makeup, no enhancements, and, and your eyes are like twelve no times filter. the original size. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer your question? My my question my answer was basically look good. The rest will fall into place. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. That's important, <laughs> yeah, <it laughs> especially is. you know in in the drag world. It's super mm-hmm. important. Yeah. <laughs> what about? Um, well, I kind of want to go back to your relationship with Robbie. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like, you know, you work with him often after that, or am I putting words in your mouth? Oh, no, that was the the very first time that I met Robbie uh, was we were talking a lot over the phone. And I was actually concerned because when this was coming together, I thought um, I was like, I don't know. I was like, this it seems like it's maybe a little bit um, the scheduling is maybe a little bit off at first. I don't know if this is going to even happen. Um, but then as soon as I met Robbie, we just immediately hit it off. And um, I have had such a great relationship with Robbie ever since then. And this was, I think, two years ago. And Robbie has become a, a very good friend, uh, in addition to just somebody I work with professionally really well. I mean, he's so organized and communicative and knows the thing that I like about Robbie as a publicist is that he knows the right times and topics to pitch to me for all of the drag artists that Robbie reps because Witch House now works with um, Naomi Smalls, Ben De La Creme, and, and a lot more. And Robbie comes to me because he knows that I'll treat these artists with respect. He knows that from getting to know me as a person and professionally. But he also comes to me with things that he knows EW would consider covering. Like I know there are certain things he might hold back or not send my way because he knows he's not pitching for you know, a smaller blog or a smaller queer publication. It's like, you have to know who you're pitching to. And Robbie doesn't let the sort of personal relationship get in the way of that. We've just become really great friends. Like I said, he's actually been asking me for like relationship advice lately. And it's just, yeah, it's a good example of, you know, the personal mixing with the professional and vice versa. So he comes to me with great stuff that he knows I'm going to be interested in. And we, we work on a lot. So I really appreciate all the work that I've been able to do with Robbie over the years. 
Um, can we back up? I have yeah. a question. You said that you talked to Robbie on the phone. Um, mm-hmm. Did Robbie ever just like cold call you or was it more like emailed, broke the ice, and then you guys started chatting? Like, Yeah. How did that yeah. Happen? No, it was okay. never a cold call. It was definitely email <laughs> first. And then yeah. um, afterwards, we, as we were talking on the phone, we we're sort of talking out. Because once you, after those few first few emails, if you're interested in something, it's obviously much more helpful to then just get on the phone and talk about it. So that's yes. what we did. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm just so fascinated because it's like understanding how one of our questions that we sent to you, Joey, is how you might recommend PRs or publicists build a good working relationship mm-hmm. with a journalist or a reporter. And it's a really hard question to answer because yeah. some journalists don't like to mix personal and work um, mm-hmm. work stuff. But it sounds like Robbie is such an expert at doing that. And it's so just fascinating to hear his approach. Yeah. And how did it become? Is there something that you can pinpoint to say this is how it became a friend relationship as well? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that Robbie just, I think a lot of it, I don't know if there's there's like a science or an A, B leads to C sort of thing with a lot of this. I think that it's Robbie is just a great person and is just an inherently charismatic, friendly, warm, exciting person to be around. So when you have that energy mixed with somebody who wants to work with you, it just all comes together. And Robbie is somebody who, you know, you don't want the conversation to stop, you know, when the work mm-hmm. is over. So you, you, the friendship evolved naturally. And he also has bonded a lot with the photographer. We did exclusive photos for that too in our studio. Um, my photographer, Medi Ostrowski, she is just incredible too. She is, um, she hit hit it off with Robbie right off the bat too. And now she has become really close with him as well. So it's like, that's sort of a testament to coming into a space, connecting with the right people, knowing who you're talking to, and then also just, just being yourself and not being phony about anything. Um, Cause I think I, journalists have a really quick bullshit detector like they know when a publicist is not really the most knowledgeable I think on what they're selling and they're selling it just as a job but Mm -hmm. Robbie doesn't do that Robbie is passionate about the stuff that he covers he is working almost exclusively with like drag artists at witch house because he's passionate about it and he knows what he's doing and that is just when you're working with somebody that is so invested in what they're doing it's it's infectious and it makes me want to be better at what I'm doing because I know that he cares about it. So it was just a really great mix of personality, interests, um, all sort of mutual feelings of respect and admiration for the craft and our work as publicists and journalists. So it's just a, a perfect mix of everything. That was a I beautiful answer. Yeah. Oh, I'm in love with everything about that. Yeah. Thank you. It kind of um, going from Mormon fuzzy feelings to <laughs> <laughs> more of an event session. Do you receive a lot of pitches in general? Oh, that's cute. A lot. Um, uh, I, I received too many pitches. That, that is the realty. Um, it, yeah, a, a lot. Sometimes I get pitches and I'm just like, you know, <laughs> like – let's let's be let's be a little bit smart about this you know let's 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 consider who we're pitching to and i don't mean that to sound arrogant i mean yeah if because i try to put myself in the shoes of a publicist when i get a pitch and i and i think you know if i was a, a publicist i would consider my 
my my target and I would consider who I'm pitching. So I'm not going to pitch a writer at Entertainment Weekly a story on dog food. Mm. Oh, you're not? Huh. No, no, never. Um, unless you're trying to insult us as journalists by calling us all dogs. Like that, yes. Uh, okay, then sure. Go ahead, uh, you know, rip into us this. But yeah, no, I, I just have gotten so many strange pitches like that. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, where did that come from? Understandable. Yeah, yeah, so a lot. A lot of relevant pitches and then a lot of, I would say most of it is is stuff that is either ignored or passed on. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're going to get to your biggest pet peeves. I want to do <laughs> at the tell end I'm ready. of my favorite part. <laughs> I am like, ready. Just so met, but I at the end of the stories. show, yes, at the end of the show, I figured we could like list your pet peeves and mm-hmm. hear some of those stories. But before we get to that, let's just talk about a little bit more about like, how do we capture your attention with a subject line? Hmm. Ooh. Sorry, that's not a question for me. I'm like, oh, that's a good this question. Is like kind of a, just a more tactical question. And there's probably not a science to this either, but like what maybe there's more examples that you could share mm-hmm. that are like this caught my attention. Or maybe uh, if you remember even a subject line from Robbie, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have an answer to this, it's we can skip it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember anything specifically from Robbie because now with Robbie and I, it's literally not even email. He just sends me a text and is like, hey, sis, uh, Ben's doing this thing. Do you want to cover it? And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. <laughs> so like that's the, the level that's that Robbie good, and I are on. Now. Direct access. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that's the way it works with um, – at Drag Race PR too. I'm so close with that PR team over there, Michael Fabiani and um, the whole Viacom CBS team. They are great. And I think, honestly, I probably text Michael more than about 85% of my own family members and friends. Like I'm texting Michael at 2 a.m. on a Saturday. So it's like that we are very tight. It's that level. But an email subject line. Um, I don't know if I've ever really thought, because see, this is the, the problem that that I see a lot is the reason that why I'm not reading, I think, email subject lines is because some of them are so long. I mean, you should see some of these email pitch subject lines that I get for new movies that are opening. And it's like all caps, the movie title, and then <laughs> this actor starring with this director in this film premiering at New York Film. And it's like that gets cut off. <laughs> it's like 80 <laughs> words and I'm not reading it. So I, I want to say 70% of the time. I'm not reading a full subject line. I'm just clicking right into the email and looking at it. So um, that's just me. That might be weird and completely wrong, but uh, that's, that's what I do. So I don't know. You're allowed to do whatever you want with your inbox, shall we? (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, But I would say, I guess if somebody has caught my attention in the past is if, whether it's a good pitch or a bad pitch is if my name is in the subject line. So if like they're saying, hey, Joey, this is would this be interesting to you or something? I've had things like that in the past. I'm like, OK, you know, they they know who they're emailing at least. So, um, yeah, that definitely has caught my attention in the past. OK, cool. What about OK, you mentioned exclusive, I think, in the mm-hmm. intro. Tell yeah. us more about what that means to you, because it means so many different things to PRs. So exclusive, I think when you're talking about entertainment journalism is something that is very concrete and identifiable. Exclusive is a lot of the time when we deal with exclusives, we're dealing with exclusive images or videos. So stuff that is specifically you can only find on Entertainment Weekly right now. Um, That means the 
PR people have not sent that image out to anybody else. Uh, there are no quotes about that with anybody else. EW.com is the one and only place that you can find this within this exclusive window. So we also then usually put exclusive watermarks over our photos so that, and then many publications just take them and crop them out. But uh, yeah, exclusive to me means it's only at EW. Don't even entertain it going anywhere else within that exclusive window. Gotcha. Makes Mm -hmm. sense to me. Yeah. Joey, is there a right time for a PR person or a publicist to send an email your way? Or it kind of just sounds like you open all of your emails, but also it might be just assuming there. Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, I look at some people's inboxes and I'm just, they have like 400 unread emails. And I'm like, what? Like, no, honey, no. That's me, um, 35K. That, no, well, let me repeat, oh honey, no, no, no. <laughs> Um, I Ooh, will, I, I will send your phone to me and I will read all of your emails for you because it drives <laughs> me insane. Are you um, serious? Okay. <laughs> oh, it, I, when I see that I have a panic attack, but I read, <laughs> I guarantee that I read every single email that comes to my inbox, every single one. Um, oh my God. Okay. And I, I really do. And, uh, but I've never really thought about, uh, before you, you, sent this to me as a potential question. I, I I guess I hadn't really thought about the timing because I think, especially now we're all just so used to working around the clock in this industry. I, I truly don't have a preferred time of when it's being sent, but I think you're obviously going to have a better chance at getting a response during normal working hours because I think personally, I am less inclined to pick up my phone and scroll through those unread emails at 9:30 when I'm trying to catch up on the Real Housewives of Potomac versus when I'm, <laughs> you know, sitting in front of my desk at two o'clock with my computer already open. Um, right. And I think it matters more to me, not necessarily the time of day, but the time between the pitch and the desired coverage time. Because if you send me an email at nine at night, I'm going to read it within two hours. I, I guarantee you that. But like this week, I had so, this week I had somebody pitch that an actor was available in a few hours for a recorded video Zoom interview and they wanted to secure print coverage on top of that. And it's just like, it's borderline impossible to be like, oh yeah, let's get our video team prepped and ready to shoot and secure in-book coverage in the span of a few hours. Just consider the timing of how long you're giving journalists to prepare versus the time of day that you're pitching, I think would be my advice. So if you want something to be covered the next day, pitch it earlier pitch it at 8am. If you don't have those sort of time constraints, then I would say it's probably yeah, you can pitch whenever you want to, I would say because at least from my experience, I'm not discriminating based on time. It just might be, you know, like I said, in the evening, I'm not sitting right in front of my phone watching everything come through. So I'm less distracted during the day. But I'm going to respond to your email no matter when you send it. Well, not respond, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I should not say I'm going to. Respond. Could you imagine if you responded right. to every email you oh, got in a day? Well, you know what? Some of these publicists think that I will. Oh uh, yeah, I don't think that. I've been let down enough that I know that that's not realistic. <laughs> that you are, I bless you, bless you for having that that thought process because so many do not. Oh, I know it's sad. Um, we had one guest come on, and she said that the subject line that made her cringe the most came in recently and it said it was just 
do you remember this Brit? what i'm about yeah, to say trays yeah trays she the subject line just said pick me pick me <sighs> isn't that gross <laughs> yeah that's <sighs> that's bad that's really bad that's because that puts you I, I you know when i can feel a power coming from a publicist yep that it, it doesn't intimidate me, but it makes me think, okay, this person has their shit together. They know what they're doing. This mm-hmm. is a serious person. But when you're doing pick me, pick me, pick me, that <sighs> just screams inexperience to me. Definitely. So, um, it's professional. Yeah, that's that's not somebody that that is not one. I would open it and be like, oh, look at this hilarious subject line. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm, I, yeah, that, that does not bode well for the contents of that email to me. No, it doesn't. It ruins the integrity of the whole pitch. Because what if the pitch was actually good? Right. You know? yeah. Because that headline screams to me, uh, what I am pitching is not as interesting as what I'm trying to make you believe it is through this desperate headline. Exactly. Right. That's a that's really well put. Um, mm-hmm. I actually remembered I did have a follow-up question. Yeah. Um, I know you have a good relationship with Robbie, the PR person, who mm-hmm. can't wait to contact them and be like, this whole episode's about you. Um, oh, I told him. Is he excited? <laughs> yes, he. I think he wants to be a guest. That's what he told me. So. Yeah, that's that would be <laughs> great. We're always yeah. looking for guests. Yeah. Okay. So the answer will, is yes. I will connect you on email with him if that yes. is okay. Okay. Oh, and yeah. I, yeah. No, please. We really okay. are actively looking for like really good guests. So I will that'd be do. Great. Oh, he is hilarious. You will love him. Okay, that's Wait. cool. Um, <laughs> and I apologize if this was maybe said in passing but i don't think it was do you does robbie like before covid were you and robbie meeting up in person just to like have coffee and stuff like that and do you welcome that kind of invitation from publicists oh i love hanging out with robbie um i would say hmm i personally do not hmm. i like to i think that maintaining a friendly I guess you could say distance contact with with a journalist that you are not necessarily best friends with is the way I like it. Um, mm-hmm. it. Like if a publicist I don't work with often or have never worked with before emails me to go out for a coffee, I'm I I, I just don't have the time. I'm sorry. Yeah. I I just I don't want to. I that's not something, especially if it's not for a specific project we're working on. I, I want to say there's 99 percent chance I'm not like no, sorry, yeah, I'm not, I don't not. have time to to get, especially in New York. I'm going to have to take the subway. You live in a different neighborhood. I live in a different neighborhood. No. Mm-mm. no. That takes effort. <laughs> like in Pittsburgh, it might be a different story. Like, cause I'm in Pittsburgh right now because of this whole pandemic. But, um, you know, in Pittsburgh, you can get in your car and be anywhere in five minutes, but in somewhere like New York, nobody has the time to get on the subway and go uptown to meet you for a coffee to talk about a pitch. No, yep. sorry. Send me in an email. Send it very concise in an email. Yeah. Love no, it. no coffee. Sorry. Unless we're sister friends like me and Robbie. Right, right. You gotta have to build <laughs> that to relationship. Like yeah, you have to like them first. You have to like them first. And building yeah. a relationship to me is not ask cold calling and asking somebody to right. go for a coffee. That might work in some industries or for some people, but for me specifically. And again, I cannot speak. This is in no way uh, speaking for everybody at EW or, or every mm-hmm. like these opinions and thoughts are my own. Yep. But um, for me personally, yes, that is that is what I would recommend is to not do that to me. And, you know, don't like, 
note to listeners, don't force it. You know, like there's journalists that I have great relationships with and there's other journalists that I work with regularly, but there's no way in hell I'll probably ever meet them in person to go have coffee. And that's okay. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're different people, right? It would be kind of weird and creepy if I like wanted to be best friends with like every journalist (laughs) I touch. You know, but there like, are some people, there are some people that you, think, you just, you can connect with. Like there's exactly. I have journalists or not journalists, um, PR friends that live in LA that I've literally seen maybe once or twice, like Emily Merkley at um, MPRM. She works a lot with uh, Drag Race PR too, but I see her maybe once a year when she is in town in New York doing video stuff for the new Drag Race seasons. But I am talking to her constantly. We're just like, facetiming or sending each other little voice notes and and she lives in california so and we have that relationship if you if somebody has a personality that gels well with your own i don't care what the profession is you're going to be friends are going to be friends this this industry just happened to bring you together but yeah i wouldn't try to force that with with somebody right yeah that's like um another good example uh listeners is listen to the alan henry episode because he connected mm. with Keith, a PR person, and they just talk about video games all the time, <laughs> which is yeah. cute. I love that. You know, I can't do that with Alan, though. That would be like Alan would know that I'm a poser. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my that's my words of wisdom for you guys. It's all about building that relationship mm-hmm. genuinely, genuinely. And yes. yes, I think. The last kind of um, housekeeping question, if you want to call it that, is around follow-ups. Mm-hmm. So how often do you like publicists to follow up with you on something? I think this one really depends on my relationship again with the publicist and the relevance of the pitch to what I'm covering. If if it's a new publicist that I don't have a working relationship with or who's pitching me something sort of like... I don't, I don't want to say low level, meaning like, oh, that's beneath me, but like something that is lower level priority or lower level, like something that maybe I, I wouldn't typically cover is either outside the scope of normal coverage or whatever. Like don't follow up even once. That's my preference. Do like, if you don't get a response to your initial email to me and you're not a publicist that I'm normally working with on a daily basis, don't follow up again because like I said, I personally read every single email that comes to my inbox. If it doesn't get a response and we don't have a working relationship, it's because there is not a coverage fit or a coverage need, or it's just not right. So please, you know, it's like, don't send me. I once had, God, this is, there was very recently at the end of August, I had a a publicist reach out with a pitch to um, cover something that was very much out of the scope of what I I normally cover. And, you know, I didn't respond because I have, you know, I get hundreds of these pitches a day and I counted, there were 10 follow-up emails that all went unanswered. Oh oh, yes. There was one, one week where I got an email Monday through Friday, um, Mm -hmm. following up being like, Hey, checking in on thoughts, checking in on thoughts, checking in on thoughts. And it's like the same thing, the same thing. That's there terrible. was 10, 10 follow-up emails over three weeks, all of which were not Criminal. responded to. Yeah. So, uh, and now it's different though. Um, if, if you're a publicist, I have a great relationship with, and we've worked on many things before and our coverage goals align, meaning you represent like a significant artist or movie or TV project, et cetera, then yes, feel free to push or follow up if I don't respond because maybe I'm busy or maybe I, you know, got caught up with something else. So yes, those people 
please follow up if you know that we've you've either worked with our brand before or something like that. Like just for me, that's what I prefer. Um, I prefer no follow-ups unless we have a sort of pre-existing working relationship. That's a cool answer. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, thank so you. let's wait, wait <laughs> one more question. Yes. Yeah. You check your spam folder. No. Okay. I do not. I, I, I <laughs> probably because it's, I mean, I see it and I, it's, it'll show me the number next to it and if mm-hmm. it's like it hasn't gone above two i think for like a year so oh really um, yeah because to think, my ears <laughs> i think we have a filtering system that comes through like i get oh. i get regular emails that are from this program that's like oh you have these emails that are waiting to be sent to you do you want to block or permit them they might be spam so that might be why it, it doesn't hmm. get filtered through to my spam f- folder but yeah i don't i don't check it Shall we go into your pet peeves? I think we shall. Okay. Well, let's let's hear them. Well, Tell us we your j- top five or my however top many. Five. Um, <laughs> top thirty. Yes. Uh, so the one we just talked about definitely the the whole following up incessantly. Um, mm-hmm. That is one that really grates on me. Uh, if you're following up on something that I don't respond to, it's like you know, oh my. It's exactly what I do with things I want to cover is I ignore the first seven emails and the eighth one is the one that sends it over the top. Um, but I, I think then second also, like I was saying, pitching sort of wildly inappropriate or not relevant things to the brand that you're pitching to. And again, I cannot speak for all of EW. If you want to reach out to somebody else whose coverage goals more closely align with what you're pitching than the things that I usually cover, that's obviously your prerogative. Um, but consider who you are pitching to if it is an individual post and can and know what that person writes about. Um, like I keep going back to it, but somebody who writes about movies and Oscar season and RuPaul's Drag Race is probably not the best person to pitch a food ar- article to. So um, I also think the one that really annoys me is when I have clearly been signed up for press blast emails without my consent or knowledge, like there was last week, I started receiving these press blast emails from this agency and I hit the unsubscribe uh, thing at the bottom. And then it took me to this page that said, do you know why you were uh, signed up for this? And I hit no, and it said, oh, you were signed up because you entered your email address on this website. And I was like, no, I didn't. So <laughs> I emailed them, and I was like, please don't do this. You know, um, it's I, that's very annoying to me, is if you're signing my email work email address up for something. And I've also had people do it with my personal Gmail, which oh really drives me crazy. Um, like, don't do that to my personal Gmail. Um, I also had one time, I think another pet peeve is listen closely to what an away message or an out of office email is saying to you. Um, Because when I go out of office for vacation or something, I will put on there, if you need to get in contact with me on a story we're already working on, or it's a truly urgent matter on one of my beats, please give me a text. And then I list my phone number. So the people I'm, I've been working with something on prior to going on vacation know that that's how they can reach me. And I will respond to that. But I one time, this was last year, there was my away message went up and I got a text being like, hey, this is so-and-so from this agency. I have this artist I would really love for you to consider covering. 
but and I was like, I am on vacation. That was not what that away message was for. <laughs> so you could text me a bitch yeah. while I'm on my vacation. Boundaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What'd you say? Boundaries, yes. people. Come yes. on. It was, I was, yeah, I was, I was very angry about that. And I think that's it. Those are my big ones. Those are my, my, those are my pretty big, big ones, ones, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are, those are good too. They're different. Yeah. They're not the typical ones. I think. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that you could use this moment to vent. This is one of our favorite things about this podcast. <laughs> and don't feel bad mm-hmm. about venting either. It's like exactly why we're here and what we hope to share with the world is how everybody can work more collaboratively, uh, collaboratively together and how us publicists and PRs can do our jobs better. So thank you. Thank you for sharing those. Yes, of course. And thank you for, um, for having me and letting me do that. <laughs> it, it felt, I feel like a weight is lifted off my shoulders. Aww, I love that. <laughs> Before we end, is there anything else that you wanted to, you know, talk about before we do so? Mm, no, I think that, that that's, um, yeah, other than shouting out, my main thing was I want to shout out Drag Race PR and, and Robbie at Witch House PR. Um, cause they are, I really, really, really enjoy working with both of those different agencies. So, um, my most cherished PR relationships are, are with those, so those people. So thank you for letting me, uh, say that. On the podcast. Yes. Love the shout outs. Thank you. Thank you for being so prepared. This has been really mm-hmm. fun and like, we can't wait to get it out there. It was fun. Well, thank you so much. It was so lovely to talk <laughs> with you. Thank you so much, Joey. Yeah, same. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening Bye. to another episode of We Earn Media. If you tune in often, Jackie and I would love for you to leave us a review. We're always trying to improve, and it's so helpful to know what our listeners are finding most useful about this podcast. Until next time. 